We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. And they're back. They're better than ever. They're on the podcast once again. Underdog, the underdog fantasy football and more is where you got to go for your best ball and more. And I'm joined by Dan Sanyo, and not more, just Dan Sanyo, tonight on this lovely Tuesday evening, Thursday morning in your ear holes. How are you tonight, Dan? Uh, we are good. It's a finally we get a week where chaos didn't completely ensue in the off season. There were still some moves made. There's still some news to talk about, but this is kind of the first week where we actually get to try to drum up some things to talk about instead of the NFL doing it for us. Yeah, there's a couple of tidbits, and then the latter half of the show is like us piecing together some you know, notable things for the rest of this offseason and into the season as well. So let's start off this show, the nice straight cast presented by underdog on the road of his radio network with the Buccaneers, uh, Bruce Arians. And I think it was probably shortly after we stopped recording last week, because it seems like it was a while ago at this point. Um, Bruce Arians has retired from the head coaching position is moving up to the front office. And then that puts uh, Todd Bowles in the head coaching position. I guess we go a few different ways here um we'll start off with do you think that tom brady forced this retirement dan uh the timing of it all makes me believe that tom for sure had a say in it like hey i'll come back but we got to make some changes but also that's again kind of a hard thing to say especially just fully on speculation but the timing of it all it seems very very odd to me, um, and especially with uh, all of kind of the required changes happening in the NFL to Arians having the option of stepping down or kind of the forced option of stepping down and allowing Bulls to to take that position is, you know, is is great for for Bulls. It's, I think, less than great for the Bucks. I think Byron Leftwich would have been 
my choice. I, I like we we talked about before the show. I, I understand, I guess, the Bulls swap, but if I'm the Bucks, I'm doing everything in my power to retain Leftwich and and try to maintain you know Todd Bowles as your defensive guy. And there's a chance he leaves in you know in 2023. There's a chance they both leave in 2023. If they, you know, if they perform again this year, if Brady puts them on his back, but I, I still think having Leftwich and Brady together for one more season is going to be really important for fantasy purposes. We've seen what they've been able to do the last couple of years uh, together. So uh, it was nice to see Leftwich kind of, uh, you know, stick around. Obviously, that's they bring back Godwin. Evans is still there. They, you know, I, I would anticipate them continuing to add some offensive weapons, maybe a couple things on defense, but whatever they can do to make Brady's life easier is going to be better for them in the short term and, you know, however much longer he's going to play. And <clears throat> kind of hit on everything we've talked about so far. First, as far as Tom Brady forcing Bruce Arians to retire, I don't necessarily buy that on a full scale. What I do kind of understand, and I, I kind of believe more so now, Around week seven, week eight last year, there were rumors that Tom Brady was annoyed that on Monday and Tuesday, Leftwich and Brady would put together a game plan. And then on Wednesday, Thursday, Bruce Arians would come in with his pen and scribble things out. And like anyone who has ever like done any sort of like collaborative work with a supervisor, like, you know, that frustrating feeling like we just did all this work and you're just going to ruin it. Like, I can definitely understand that possibly happening and getting on Brady's nerves a few times. And I think on that on that end, maybe Brady's not shedding a tear over the retirement of Bruce Arians. But I def, I don't think it was an ultimatum where where, where Brady was like, I'm retiring because I'm, I'm sick of Arians, and then I'll come back if, if he retires. So I, I don't think that was the case necessarily. Um, and then going to the Bulls versus Leftwich conundrum. I think that Bruce Arians took the Bucks job three years ago. And obviously I think meaning this is what I, I believe Arians when he says that he took the Bucks job in 20, 2019 with the game plan of I'm going to hand this off to a minority head coach. And now Bowles and Leftwich are both would have been minority head, head coaches. But what I said before the show is the difference between Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles is that Unless the Bucks and Brady offense implodes in 2022, Byron Leftwich is a head, head coach elsewhere in 2023. I am not sure Todd Bowles was getting that second chance as a head coach anywhere else other than being handpicked by Bruce Arians. I, I, and it's unfortunate it has to go to this place, but I, I think with the tightening grip of you know not only the Rooney rule, but you know the requirement of assistant coaches as well, I think it's almost inevitable that one, if not both of these guys, is gone in 2023. And I would lean towards well, them both being gone. Well, no, Bowles has a five-year deal. Yeah, but a head coaching job, he they can, you know, a different head coaching job, he can get, they'll, they'll move on from But he's that. already a head coach. Why would he leave if he's head coach? I mean, you can say he's head coach, but to me, it's still interim. You can call him whatever you want. He got the job because Arians stepped down. To me, that is throwing him a bone. I, I don't, I don't think this is a long-term play. I think they did this to please Brady and to, you know, and, and to just kind of keep keep the league in good in their good faiths, I guess. I, I don't know. To me, this isn't wasn't a long-term, a five-year, a five-year plan. This is a let's get Arians to the front office and just see what happens. But if their plan was to keep Bulls and lose Leftwich, I despise that very much. 
yeah, let's go to the fantasy implications here. Um, the reports, and I don't believe the reports. The reports are that Todd Bowles wants to be more run heavy, at least not throwing the ball 50 times with the 50 year old Tom Brady. Um, I think that Todd Bowles, just like Bruce Arians did, is going to realize, hey, when I throw with with Tom Brady 45 times, I'm more likely to win. And so I, I think that maybe you might see a little bit more like early down runs than you saw under the Arians regime. But I, I really think it's still going to be one of the more pass heavy offenses in the NFL. Yeah, and you know the the long incorrect take for the most part from a lot of people is you run the ball to set up the pass. Well, anybody that understands anything understands that you pass to set up the run. It's so much easier to be able to run the ball down somebody's throat if they're all if you have a three wide receiver set and two tight ends, whatever. It, you know that it's it's so much more simple. And now they re-sign Leonard Fournette. This to me screams that they do want to run the ball more. The problem is you still have Tom Brady, who looked as fresh as can be the last couple of years. And, I mean, if they're not throwing it 45 times a game, I would be absolutely shocked, especially because the defense isn't going to be what the defense was. And I think the offensive line may struggle a tad, whereas they were fairly dominant for the most part uh, and, and losing a couple of guys. They replaced one but they lost pretty much their two main components on that line, one to retirement, one to re-signing elsewhere. And I mean, they, they, they lost three linemen and so far they've traded for one. Then they signed they, somebody no, else. No, 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 they, no, they, they lost, they lost, they lost two Kappa one. and Kappa and the other one. And they, they traded for Mason. Yeah. So, I mean, Oh, and, and they, 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 they signed the, like the, the guy, uh, Joe something from Bengals as well. But I think he's more of like a, you know, a six guy. man type guy. Yeah, I mean they definitely downgraded, but it's not it's still not the worst line in the league. There's there's plenty of lines that are are worse, and uh, hopefully they continue to build that defense back up. But I do think it's just going to be a, a fantasy friendly offense once again. Obviously with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin leading the way, but Leonard Fournette is probably due for another RB one season. Um, he he looked probably the best of his career outside of maybe the one year in Jacksonville where he caught a million balls. He he pretty much looked like that Leonard Fournette. So if he's healthy, um, this offense is kind of sky's the limit. Yeah, and we talk about having a, a very narrow window when when valuing dynasty running backs. And Leonard Fournette signed a three-year deal with Tampa. And obviously there's no way to know what happens, you know, if there's a post-Brady era in 2023 and, and what that looks like for Leonard Fournette. But Leonard Fournette is all, like, Injuries aside, all but locked in as a top 12 running back in 2022. And I think that really, really puts him like at worst, like, you know, RB 15 to 18 range. Yeah, he's for sure locked in as an RB2 in, in Dynasty, regardless of his age. The fact that you can pretty much lock in production. And I'm going to go as far as to say for the next two years, not just this year, but the next two years, uh, I think that deal has a fail safe for year three. But I, I don't see a way for them not to use him as good as he's looked. Um, again, if healthy, he, he's going to be a difference maker, and it, it'll be fun to see that offense continue to roll, whether it's with Brady or potentially a different quarterback in, in 2023. But as of right now, I mean, Brady's back, and, and he's ready to compete. So Now let's go from the uh, Buccaneers in the NFC South to the Saints in the NFC South, and the Eagles making a trade. Um but essentially, the trade ends up being the 16th pick in the draft for a third rounder this year, 
a first rounder next year and a, th- a second rounder in 2024. So first, second, third over various years for the 16th pick in the draft and a flip of 18 to 19. So what are your thoughts here? We'll, we'll start from the Eagles perspective. So the Eagles had three first round picks. Now they only have two and they have two in the following year and then an extra second round pick in the following year after that. A lot of people on the timeline basically said that this is the leap of faith per se for Jalen Hurts, that they're like, okay, we're going to give him one more year to show us that he has what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. And if he doesn't, we're either going to, you know, spend that high Saints first round pick on a quarterback or package up two first to get a, a high, high pick or something along those lines. Is that your takeaway as well? Or could this still be, you know, a Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett area for the Eagles? Well, I mean, the the opportunity's there, but but why not get one more piece for when they do inevitably bring in another quarterback? And who knows, maybe that Saints pick ends up being pretty good or at least midway. I don't think it's going to be super high, but who knows what Jameis Winston shows up and if all of their weapons stay healthy, etc. I I think the Eagles are a fringe playoff team regardless whether they start Jalen Hurts or or, you know, John Doe. I don't think quarterback position really matters that much in relation to Jalen Hurts as the benchmark. Great running the ball. I mean, completely horrendous throwing the ball. I think we can all come to that agreement. I don't think Jalen Hurts was ever the plan at quarterback. Uh, I think Howie Roseman had a plan, and you know, maybe maybe Hurts was a part of the short term deal. But I, I think the fact that they were able to produce a little bit and and have some short-lived offensive booms with Jalen Hurts. I think that was enough for them to to go one more year and really chase quarterback in 2023 the way it seems like the you know the 10 or 12 teams that maybe aren't completely set in stone at quarterback uh, will be considering you know the 23 draft as kind of uh, the gold mine. So I, I really like this for Philly. You know I I don't necessarily think it's going to be quarterback this year, but if Howell or Pickett or um, even if they fall in love with Des Ritter for whatever reason, you know, that that could be the option there. I think Willis will probably be gone. I think Matt Coral will probably be gone. But there's there's some hope. But I really think this is going to be a spot where they grab either another offensive playmaker, uh, offensive lineman, or they just continue to stack that defense up. Because with that defense, this again, this is a playoff team, a, a fringe playoff team at the very least. And... I think Philly is much better in the long run for this trade. I, I really don't get it from the Saints perspective. Yep. And from the Saints perspective, they get the 16th overall pick and a bump up one pick from 19 to 18. I I think it's this is a very weird way to go to go about selecting a quarterback. But I think it had like granted they did this with um what's his name? Hendrickson? This, no, not Hendrickson. They did it with some pass rusher or or DB recently where they – it was the Lamar Jackson draft where they traded up to like the 14th pick and everyone was like, oh, they're going up to, to take Lamar because they spent an extra first-round pick to move up. And then they ended up taking a defensive end. Um, I think that this is Matt, the Matt Coral pick, the 16th overall pick, that they – it's a weird thing to do, I think, without Matt Coral being on the available on the clock at pick 16. Um, but I think it's either the Matt Coral pick or it's with implications to possibly try and trade up more. But it's hard to trade to try to trade up more when they already gave up so much capital to get this, you know, extra first round pick. 
Well, I, I think what it'll end up being is 16 and 19 to move up to get Matt Coral or Malik Willis or or whoever they really think is their guy. Um, and that's probably going to have to be leapfrogging the Carolina Panthers at six. So 16 and 19 probably get you there. The other team probably has to throw in like a fourth coming back. But, uh, you know, we're not really, you know, <laughs> really... Uh, Versed, well versed in actual NFL trading or or what actually it would take to move there, but I feel like sixteen and nineteen to get up to to four or five. Whoever's looking to trade out, maybe even as high as two, uh, depending on you know what these teams are really are trying to do outside of retooling. Some of these teams have young quarterbacks that they're already leaning on. Some of these teams are are going to start adding other weapons that maybe you know they don't really see 22 as their year and and maybe looking forward to 23. So for me if they if the Saints can turn 16 and 19 into Malik Willis, I will like this trade a lot more. But if the goal here is 16 and 19 to get Matt Coral or Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett, uh I think then this is an an absolute fail because they probably could have used their 23 first and whatever to move up and get one of the probably four or five quarterbacks that are better than pretty much everyone not named Malik Willis in this class. So I I, I don't like it for the Saints value-wise. They essentially lit a second-round pick on fire. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We're not running NFL teams. So with Jameis Winston, do you see, like, Assume, let's let's assume it's not Malik Willis that it's one of the the other you know that lower tier of two to four. If it's one of those guys, do you see Jameis as the full time 2022 starter, or do you think Jameis kind of plays his way into that like re- relief role where he starts the season and then gets benched, then comes back in? Like there's a bit of in and out, like the the Ryan Fitzpatrick syndrome. Do you think there's a little bit of that, or do you think it's just like he plays half the season then he's out? Like what 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 are your expectations of Jameis? and his amount of starts in 2022 if they select a quarterback in the first round? Well, I I don't think anybody's really ready to start day one in this class. There are going to be a couple that probably are forced to. But as far as Jameis goes, we talk about it all the time. He's very much Ryan Fitzpatrick in the sense that if he's healthy and he's brought in by that team, he's probably your starter. And if Jameis is healthy and he isn't throwing 17 picks every single game, He's probably your starter, regardless of who they take, regardless of what the fan base wants to see. Jameis knows the offense. He knows the team. There's no reason not to start him if he's playing even at average Jameis level. Now, if we get to see decent Jameis, uh, the Saints are probably a a playoff squad. If you get average Jameis, they're probably a fringe team. If you get really bad Jameis, then they're probably... Uh, unfortunately going to be a really bad team and they should have kept that 23 pick. So I do think it's going to be Jameis' season though all year. I don't think the YOLO 30 touchdown, 30 pick Jameis will ever return. Uh, I would like to see them retool a bit. Obviously they still have Alvin Kamara and who knows what, you know, where Michael Thomas is at physically, mentally, whatever. Uh, I would hope they bring in another wide receiver across from him you know, Taysom at tight end, whoever else at tight end. But it's an interesting place. I I don't love 2022 for the New Orleans Saints. And uh, again, the the reason I hate this trade so much for them is because I think that 23 pick is absolutely going to be better than 16, 18, or 19, all of the first, 
you know, in this in this deal, unless Jameis stands on his head and and performs like a, a you know basically an MVP candidate at that point, or if one of the aforementioned quarterbacks stand on their head and and sure. they're going to be a candidate. Yeah, if Sam Howell ends up being you know amazing or whoever they like, whatever it is. If that's the case, then wow, great, great on them. Pat yourself on the back. Hindsight will be, yep, see, they knew it. We knew it. Everybody knew the Saints were great. <laughs> but at, uh, looking at it from from right now, from today, uh, great for the Eagles, real bad for the Saints. What will be real good for you is checking out our friends over at Underdog. That's right. Underdog is back with us yet again. Uh, we, we talked about them last week. You're going to continue to talk about them, Nathan, because they, they've they kind of got everything that you need. They've got best ball. They've got season long. They've got daily. They've got pick them. I mean, it's it's kind of great. And that, the app's awesome. You can go to their website, underdogfantasy.com. But what we didn't touch on last week, and I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't, was the pick them side of it because – this is so much fun. It, it kind of gives you the the Las Vegas bookie feel. You know, you're you're in there actually getting to kind of do your sports betting, and, and not all states that type of betting is legal to do and to go and bet money lines and to do this and do that. But now we're kind of getting that parlay type feel. You pick your favorite over unders. You know, whether they're they're stat lines or outcomes, and you can win up to twenty times your money, Nathan. It's it's actually crazy what they're able to do and how honestly again we say it all the time but how easy it is it's so simple whether it's the website or the app it's i mean you can't really hold on dan hold on are you telling me i can take the over on mike evans receiving yards every single week of the year you can and you can build that in with more pickums but before you do that nathan when you sign up and use code rotoviz underdog is going to match up to $100 of your deposit. No way. That's right. Rotoviz with the free money. You on your first deposit, Nathan, you're going to get up to a $100 bonus. Think about that. That's that's quite literally free money. Free money they can you can use in all of their great pick'em contests, all those great best ball contests. Like you could be printing money with your free money. Like, you know, you know, when they, say, when they say make your money work for you, they're basically talking about underdog. That's true. Underdog actually does have a money printer. They will help you print your own money. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And let's get back to the show. All right, let's talk about two of the heavy hitters. The wide receivers, the young wide receivers ending their first contract in the NFL after the 2022 season. There are rumors abuzz because both of them are on the trade market. They're all they're both tweeting that they aren't actually on the trade market. Um, AJ Brown to the Jets, DK Metcalf to the Chiefs or the Eagles. What are your thoughts on the rumor mill with these two former Ole Miss wide receivers? Do you think that they play out the 2022 season with their current teams? And then after that, we can talk about, are they elsewhere in 2023? I think one of them does. And the only reason I say that is because John Robinson, the GM of the Tennessee Titans, has been very vocal about not wanting to move on from A.J. Brown. He's not taking calls. He's not on the trade block. They're working on a deal now. That, to me, speaks volumes because we're not hearing that from Seattle in regards to DK Metcalf. Obviously, they can come out and say, well, we'd like, you know, we'd like to. Um, but as of right now, and my understanding is there are no talks. There are there is no extension in place. And that is happening in Tennessee. So I think Tennessee is, is going to be holding on to A.J. Brown for the long term. But I, I also think that Seattle is going to do what it can to turn DK Metcalf into as many draft chips as it possibly can. Hey, maybe the, maybe the trade for the new Orleans saints with Philly was for them to use 16 and 19 to get DK Metcalf and another pick that to me would make a hell of a lot more sense than them trying to get Sam Howell. So I, I do think that AJ Brown is in Tennessee for the long, the long run. I'd like to see DK Metcalf go somewhere a little bit more pass friendly, but you know, if Tyler Lockett is on his way out, you know, he's he's pushing 30 these days. Uh, and there was a lot of talks of him being on the block. But well, his, con- his contract is ugly, so that it's, he's not it's miserable. They'd have to eat pretty much the entire thing. But if Lockett is on the move and whether it's Drew Locke or a rookie quarterback or whoever, uh, an entire offense funneled through DK Metcalf for fantasy purposes is probably pretty great. Yeah, I think that it's just the, the difference here is the two builds of the teams. And I some some may criticize my quote unquote NFL team building where like I react too much to like what the team looks like right now. And I don't like basically if I'm rebuilding, I'm like never going to sign like players to second contracts ever. Um, I'm always trading those players for, you know, for assets that become first you know, first set of uh, four years of a contract because that's where, you know, teams compete. That's where teams make their bread and butter. And so the Seahawks aren't competing in 2022 or even 2023 without some sort of quarterback boost. Granted, they just got a haul haul of picks from the Denver Broncos, but those will likely all be late because they have Russell Wilson at quarterback. So I think it makes more sense for them to, you know, capitalize and get like a, you know, a similar package that Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams got, you know, a first and a second, essentially for DK Metcalf is something that the, the Seahawks should entertain 
now where is that first where who is paying up for that first and second like the chiefs are really the the main one that makes sense if they can figure out the cap wise but they couldn't figure out the cap wise with Tyreek unless Tyreek really just wanted to get out of Kansas City but I don't know why you would want to get out from being with Patrick Mahomes so yeah I, I, I would say Metcalf the landing spot that makes most sense for Metcalf is the chiefs Obviously, the grossest one would be the Jets, where Brown is is being projected to go. But I still have some faith in Zach Wilson, and I think that Zach Wilson with a wide receiver core of DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore, and a splash of Corey Davis is something to at least like entertain. Yeah, I mean, if the Jets were really set in stone on on Zach Wilson being the guy and doing everything they can to to help his progression, obviously that is a massive move. I think one less talked about spot is DK to Green Bay. Uh, obviously, they've had their own share of cap troubles, but not having to re-sign Devontae Adams and not having that franchise tag on their books. Uh, obviously, they get the deal done with Aaron Rodgers, but you put DK on that on that team and instantly they just go right back to the top of the NFC North. I think right now, because of the lack of on- offensive weapons, uh, mainly because of Aaron Rodgers' contract, they are, I mean, they're they're probably still going to be at the top, but they're a one-and-done type of playoff team without any sort of weapons outside of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, which you can only do so much with. So I think, I think DK, like you said, to Kansas City, I do still think somewhere like New Orleans is in play if New Orleans thinks that they could compete with Jameis under center. But if they're playing as quarterback, DK obviously wouldn't really work into that. So it's going to have to be a team that, can afford to pay him 22 to 24 million uh, annually. It's just the nature of the beast at this point. He's not going to get paid less than Christian Kirk. I yeah, can tell you no, that. The, the, the Jaguars ruined the wide receiver cap with Christian Kirk. I, Hey, I, I said that the first, that the second that that deal was done for Christian Kirk is the, the Jags did this to quite literally make all of these wide receivers have to move off of their current teams because their current teams were not going to pay them. Happened with Devontae Adams instantly to then to the Raiders. It happened with Tyreek Hill, then to the Dolphins. I see DK in that same line. I don't think AJ Brown is going to fall down that same path. They need to to retain him. Even though they do bring in Robert Woods, I still think AJ Brown means a, a lot more to that team uh than you know a draft pick or whatever they're gonna get in return would. Next we'll go to Noah Fant of the Seahawks. Um it's interesting because, you know, Noah Fant, DK Metcalf, similar ages. But I feel like Metcalf's much more likely to be moved because they just traded for Fant, and you don't really include Fant in that type of trade package unless you see him as a long-term piece in your offense. And it's hard to really see what your long-term piece of any offense is when your offense is led by Drew Locke, a.k.a. a 2023 quarterback, in, uh, you know, next year. Do you... Do you think there's a possibility that that Noah Fant is flipped, or do you think that he is locked in, whether it's under the franchise tag or a long-term deal, maybe because tight end is a, a hair cheaper than that wire receiver position? Well, yeah, I mean, you can very easily split Fant outside and just make him your big outside receiver, uh, or you can keep him in the slot and have him be your big slot wide receiver. He's not going to be playing actual tight end for the Seahawks, and based on what they like to do, having a move tight end is pretty damn important. So I think they want to do what they can to keep Noah fan. I think he was one of the more important pieces of that Russell Wilson deal. I think that deal doesn't get done if Fant isn't involved because the Broncos probably weren't going to give up Sutton or Judy. So 
this to me is it says more about Fant on the Seahawks than it does about you know the willingness to move him, whatever. Uh, and people that all of a sudden like, oh, Fant to the Seahawks now we can't even draft him at tight end. He just played the start of his career with Drew Locke and a bunch of dumpster fire quarterbacks. How is this any different? If anything, this is better because now he doesn't have a ton of other mouths to feed uh, with anticipation of them potentially moving Tyler Lockett, potentially moving DK Metcalf. He could be your 1A. I, I mean, we could see. No, yeah. It, I do think that his is very much still a year out. Like, you're not buying Noah Fant for 2022 production. Granted, he could be like a top seven, top eight tight end in a Drew Locke Seahawks offense. But you're not really buying Noah Fant for that. You're buying Noah Fant for his connection with a 2023 quarterback and beyond. Absolutely. But but even so, even if even if it just is a continuation of what he's been doing, his last two years have been 93 targets and 90 targets. He caught 62 and 68 balls, 670 plus yards, three or four touchdowns. Uh, it doesn't take much to be a top, you know, a top 10 tight end. And that's what Noah Fant has been and he'll continue to be. And if there's not other, you know, alpha wide receivers to deal with, uh, we could be looking at like a 120 target season for a team that really only likes to throw the ball 450 to 500 times uh, and, and limiting Drew Locke to that and playing the dink and dunk offense that he's probably more fit to run and then using Chris Carson or whoever running the ball. That offense makes way more sense when you're looking at it through the lens of the Seattle Seahawks. That's what they love to do. That's what they've been doing. And to me, Noah Fant fits this offense better than Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf do. Yeah, I agree on that. And I think he's the long-term piece for the Seahawks. All right, one second. I, I think I'm I think I'm getting a call. <laughs> um yeah, uh Dan, the, the Panthers, they they saw your son throw a football in the backyard yesterday. Uh they, they would like to bring him in for a visit. Well, see, we were we were going to go. Uh, the problem was we were just a couple minutes late because the other six top quarterback prospects in this draft are all scheduled for five, count them, five visits each, totaling 30 visits for the Carolina Panthers in the coming weeks before the draft. I like, hey, I get it. They need a quarterback. Their plan at six is quarterback. They'll probably have to move up to get said quarterback. Whoever wows them in these interviews, they're going. It's going to. You'll never see someone run to the podium faster to announce the pick. They're going to submit their pick like when one goes. They're just going to put a list. Here's our list of quarterbacks in order. Whoever gets, whoever goes, just go to the next one. But also, if you're Malik Willis, and I, I mean, obviously, no, no one's going like, to you know start their career by being mad at their franchise. But if you're Malik Willis, who's being projected as the number one quarterback and mocked as the number one quarterback in every single draft, and let's say the Panthers trade enough to get him or they do get him at six, aren't you being like, why did you see those other guys 47 times? Like, you could have just drafted me. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I get why Carolina's doing it. Hey, come out and win this job, right? I, I would like to think that Malik Willis is already their favorite, but they want him to prove it. Well, as much as you can prove it in in an interview or in you know some limited workouts, whatever, I I still feel like Malik Willis is their guy. The question is, and it, it you know the question becomes, I guess, is he that much better than three or four of these other guys? I think you could probably kick out a couple of them on the back end, but maybe the gap isn't huge. And if if they aren't able to get Willis, if somebody moves ahead of him, 
are they content sitting at six and just take whoever falls? Or are they going to use some of their capital, maybe use a player, maybe use whatever they need to, to leapfrog again to get up into you know the top one, two, three spots to ensure that they get Malik Willis if they believe he is the guy and he's head and shoulders above the others. I think I think these and it sounds crazy that they're doing all of these interviews on on just the quarterback position, but they need to know what they're getting and and they are going to commit to whoever this pick is for the next three four years. You know, it, it just kind of is what it is. But they can't get it wrong. It, they they might still not be good. They just have to be the best of the five or six bad quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, like, I'm I'm not buying the Willis at two to the Lions or Willis at three to the Texans necessarily. I think that those teams are looking at the 2023 draft for their quarterback. And so I think Willis at six to, to the Panthers is very realistic. But I am very much on the record that give me Desmond Ritter and Carson Strong in the second round over Malik Willis at six, personally. I understand you have to get your franchise quarterback, Yadi. I even preach that myself. I just don't see the large gap that others see between Willis and Ritter. So I'm always a a floor guy and not a ceiling guy. I, I think Malik Willis is one of those exceptions to me, which is kind of strange considering how mostly lackluster this class is and and Malik Willis's floor is essentially zero right but I, I see the closest possible thing to what could be Michael Vick obviously Michael Vick was a specimen coming out but Malik has the massive arm he's got the legs maybe not quite the Vick legs but he's also an awesome dude from what it seems like uh, you know this far away we don't get to see him up close and personal like everybody else but he seems like somebody a franchise can rally around. Carolina needs that because even kind of the tail end of Cam, people were like, all right, it's probably enough with the goofy hats. Um, And then the Sam Donald debacle, they can't do it again. Whoever this is has to be right, whether they have to reach for him to get him, whoever it is, and I think it's Malik Willis, but they, they cannot get this wrong. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure you get your underdog on promo code ROTOVIZ. 100% deposit match, Dan. What else could you want other than Dining Street Cast in your ears and underdog on your computadora? Any last words, Dan? It's hard to want more than $300. So get yourself on over to underdogfantasy.com. Download the app. Go to the website. Whatever you got to do, get your free money. That'll do it for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Call Dude!